Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans for Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating to help other people find them. We still got all of your series-by-series series updates, plus Bleacher Banter and more. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at the quarter mark for Bleed Cubby Blue. Spoiler alert, they are an aggressively 500 team. And as always, I am thrilled to be joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Uh, it's going. It's going. Not not a great weekend to be a Cubs fan, uh, but I did have fun hanging out with you and the rest of the Sunranto Ranters on Friday night on the Discord watching that game together. The only game that they managed to pull out in this series, and the other two were real ugly. So it, you hate to lose that badly. It's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. But luckily for me, I was busy all weekend long, was only following along on game day with the, you know, watching a few highlights and stuff. There were no highlights. Well, there were a few highlights, but you know, it's, I was thankful to not have been as engaged as some other people were in these ball games this weekend. So I'm not quite as depressed as maybe some others are. I mean, I'm not depressed, but I find it kind of funny is the wrong word. Cause it's not like haha funny, but interesting maybe is the right word. Like I wrote this piece that I think went live on Friday, right before the series started looking at the Cubs at functionally the quarter mark, right? Like they were, they had played 37 games going into Minnesota. Technically now is the real quarter mark, but there wasn't that off day. And so it, it didn't quite make as much sense to try to do that piece then. And so I wrote this piece and, all indicators, all indicators, the fan graphs, like projections, the Pakoda projections, the everything with one exception, which is the Pythag win loss record. All of them say this Cubs team is a slightly below 500 team, but there's this one indicator in terms of run differential that was like, Hey, this is a 105 win team, which, okay. It's not a 105 win team people. Like, let's just be very clear there. I feel like this series was one, a bit of regression to the mean. Like you cannot go in and give up 27 runs to the Minnesota Twins over two days and like hold on to that Pythag advantage. But two, it's just, I, Danny, it, it's a pretty aggressively 500 team in my estimation. And that's not necessarily bad. That's better than they were last year. But it's just like, that's that's who this team is. The upside is 500 baseball. That's it. Yeah, and the, the Pythag stuff is ridiculous anyway because you can win 10 to 1 and you know you don't even know, like you, maybe by the end of that game you're facing total garbage. Like the way that people play blowouts this these days really has changed the game as far as like any kind of reading any tea leaves with run dif differential because the really important games to know how to win are the 4 to 3 games, are the 3 to 2 games. Like that's what you want. So what if you can blow a team out and then they give up in the fourth and you get to face like Miles Mastroboni at the end of it? Like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, at least, hey, at least he was useful. I mean, he hits like a pitcher. Might as well be a pitcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll hey. get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Do we have to? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like the blowout games, like at the end of that game, like what are we even looking at? Um, that happened a lot to us in when we were. Like last year, we got blown out a ton. And then after Blue Friday, we got blown out a ton. And there were just all these laughers in which you were just seeing position player after position player taking the mound for the Cubs. And at first, when Joe Madden used to do it out of laugher, it was rare and it was cute. And now it seems to happen every night in baseball in MLB. 
because there's such a uh, a, a, a a total um, mismatch between teams. Sometimes uh, you got the Oakland A's who just got into the double digits of wins on the year. I mean, how many position players have they had pitched this year? You know, maybe none because they don't care. Like, you know, it's just, I get it. You're trying to save the bullpen, but the, the Pythag thing, that doesn't matter. We've been leading in stat after stat after stat. We're first in OBP. We're fourth in this, you know, like who cares? None of that matters. Can you score runs? Can you score more runs than the other team? That is the only thing that matters. And so I'm kind of sick of hearing about this crap to be personally, um, you know, for things to revert to the mean, I mean, April, sorry to go on a little rant here. No, go April, for it. April went better than any Cub fan would have hoped. And it by just being 500 against really good teams, you're catching good teams early who don't have it together yet. You beat them. And then to these middling teams like the freaking Marlins, you get swept. And then you go and you face the Twins, who they're a first place team, but they haven't been hitting. The Cardinals have been in last place. They have been hitting. They are using Cubs pitching to turn their seasons around. Minnesota is now going to go wire to wire. (laughs) You know, the Cardinals going to get off the floor and the Reds are nipping at our heels. And it's just a shame when you can't take care of teams like this in any way, shape or form. It's been a losing May. And um, I see, I said I was feeling good. And then I get on the horn and now I'm screaming. But um, I don't know. The, it's This was bound to happen. The wheels were bound to come off at some point. Sell in May and go away. That's what they say, right? Uh, how are you feeling? I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, you, are you disheartened by this just incredibly poor showing? I mean, they nailed our number five. That's to be expected. Wisniewski got killed. Stroman, though, seven runs. Yeah, that was not great. I mean, I, I'll tell you, the one bright side is Christopher Morrell, who's been outstanding at all things baseball. And thank God that somebody is doing good things. Although there are some, God, I hate even saying this. There are some warning signs with Morrell, too. So I was looking, we'll talk about this later because Morrell is far and away the Cubs' hottest hitter. And he already has two, like the two longest home runs for Cubs players this season. Like the dude is just lit. He's on fire. Um, He's slashing 381, 381, 857. His WRC plus is 234. His ISO, which is a measure of raw power, and generally, like, anytime your ISO is over 200, it's considered really great. His ISO is 476, which is absurd. He is only striking out, only, quote unquote, 28.6% of the time, which is a little high. He has yet to take a walk, Danny. (laughs) Like, all Christopher Morell is here to do is swing the bat, And hit bombs. And the problem is, and and here's my concern, as soon as he starts swinging and missing, which he will do because he's young and that's kind of his game, that K rate is going to go way up because he's not walking at all. (laughs) I'm just like... I don't know. I don't know how sustainable this Christopher Morrell hot streak is, but I'm here to write it. <laughs> well, of course, it's not sustainable, but uh, I mean, we saw it regress last year because he came out like gangbusters. We're almost uh, at the anniversary. In fact, Wednesday is the anniversary of his debut in the major leagues where he hit the home run. And shout out to Wally, who got that ball, our friend from the bleachers. He's the one that ended up with that thing. But. You know, he came on like gangbusters. The fact of the matter is, I don't really care how he makes his outs because 
you know, in the same way that Patrick Wisdom was allowed to strike out 50% of the freaking time and nobody said boo about that. Well, they did. But people were like, hey, whatever, we'll take the dongs. And I feel that way about Morrell. You know, they're almost like the same player, except for Morrell is better. Yeah, I mean, they're both good. I mean, they're both similar guys in a way, in my estimation. But one looks cool than a nose rig. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you, um, he is absolutely murdering breaking pitches at the moment. He is doing most of his damage on breaking pitches. He's not seeing a lot of off-speed stuff. That's great, honestly, because last year he proved he could hit a fastball. And the thing that I was most worried about was his average uh, in 2022 on breaking stuff. He was slashing 197, 206, 368, and it was pretty clear that they were just getting him out at all breaking and off-speed stuff. This year, he's slashing 571, 403, 1429. So he is, his slugging is 1429 on breaking stuff. So if he has figured out how to hit breaking pitches, uh, that, that bodes poorly for opposing pitchers. But honestly, aside from the Christopher Morrell show, which he's studly and I love him and I'm, I'm very glad he's back in a, uh, with the big league team. There really wasn't a lot to cheer for this weekend, Danny. I mean, it was it was pretty bleak. The let's talk about game two. This is the Hayden Wisniewski game. You mentioned he got kind of rocked, and you sort of characterized it as, "Oh, they got to your number five guy." And I guess that is one way to look at it. I looked at that game a little bit differently. The Twins loaded up on lefties, and Wisniewski just got totally exposed. He got absolutely destroyed by lefty power bats and that's not good because that means any other team can do that too well we couldn't <laughs> I mean, we we don't have those guys <laughs> <laughs> there's no lefties on this who, Cubs who we throw it at you eric hosmer He'll, he just swings down um yeah so uh yeah we couldn't do it but i mean he's got to be able to have a pitch that goes to lefties like you you just have to have that if you want to stick around in the major leagues i don't have to tell you he came up like gangbusters last year had the most impressive strikeout stuff and and really just a great slider ever since they gave him this sweeper pitch that he's spoke that everybody's talking about oh i'll throw in the sweeper i don't know what they changed about um uh Wisniewski. i i don't know if there, anybody's written about this and i certainly am not qualified to do it but i love reading people who are what they've traded, what they've changed about his approach and his pitch mix um, has not been successful this year. It just, he came is, is they made him come up. He was great. And then ever since then, I don't know what happened. Well, I'm, I'm going to pour some cold water on this. I think he had the sweeper the whole time, but I think um, what happened with Wisniewski, honestly, if you go back and look at the starts where Wisniewski was really good last season, it was like, he struck out eight reds twice. He went and str he struck out the pirates. It was like he had these really great games against absolutely terrible teams. And then when they threw him against, say, the Giants, who were a mediocre team, he was fine. He'd go like five innings, but he'd only strike out two and he'd give up four runs or whatever. It was like he, he was really good against the bottom of the league and kind of mediocre against the middle of the league. And I don't actually remember if he got to face anyone who was I'm looking he, he really hit, great last year, the, the Phillies, if you remember at the end of the year, the Cubs swept the Phillies and the Phillies ended up going to the world series, but uh, they certainly didn't look like they were going to the world series during that particular series at Wrigley field. Um, yeah. He went five innings, 
gave up one run on six hits, which is kind of a lot. Um, so, and again, yeah. that's, yeah, I think, I think he kind of got exposed against better teams, if I recall correctly. And I, you know, that's fine. Like he's your number five starter, probably your number six when Kyle Hendricks is back. So it's okay for him to not be striking out the land and he'll probably get better at some point in time, but he is not the guy that Cubs fans saw just pitching against like the Reds and the Pirates last year. He is somewhere, yeah. he is somewhere not as effective as that. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, and he might take a little bit longer to emerge as somebody that's more durable. And uh, as he learns the league, as he takes his lumps and gets better, um, but right now we've had to rely on these kind of fake. Well, we don't know what we have on, out of that spot. The back end of the rotation is a bit of a question mark. Like at what point that, yeah, like you said, Hendricks, maybe a couple weeks away only. And then yeah. that, that spot is his. He kind of got a little bit of a question with Tyone right now. Uh, they're stretching him back out from that injury. I'm curious to see what happens this week with him. Um, He's God, only been going. <laughs> we'll get well, to I, know, I don't really want to watch Javis and Tyone pitch. Trust, but like, uh, no, he's not my favorite. But you know, what do you do with a guy like that? You you signed him for four years, right? I mean, is is that what the the contract is? I'm asking. I think it is. I think it's like four years, thirty six million dollars, or something like so that. So whatever they're going to do with that, let me I double mean, check. I mean, he's been a very durable pitcher. He's been an innings eater. But that's what you kind of think of for your. Four number four guy, you know, and oh, sorry, four years, sixty-eight million dollars. Yeah, so, so they spent, way more money than I thought. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> so this this has got to work out, right? I mean, so uh, you got that going on. You got Hendricks coming back. We'll see what we get there. They're piecing together that back end. Assad is somebody else. Caleb Killian has been a disappointment every time we've seen him. Then you got people clamoring for Ben Brown. Everybody wants the rookies up, but you know, you're going to take what you get when you get the rookie up. And very rarely does a rookie come up and instantly become like rookie of them year material or Cy Young material, like Michael Fulmer or something. Okay. Not, let's talk about not, Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer, who was supposed to be the closer uh, anointed for the Cubs, the guy who was supposed to be able to come in and close for this team and the Cubs were going to work on his pitch mix and everything was going to be great. Yada, yada, uh, that he is, he is throwing meaningless innings right now. Him and Boxberger both like just come in when the Cubs are down six runs in like the sixth or seventh inning. I'm not even sure who the, who the elite part of the Cubs bullpen is right now. Is it Alzali and lighter? Is that the, is that the back end of the bullpen? Is that the good bullpen? I guess. I mean, that wasn't really what we expected when we started the year, but yeah, Fulmer, and he's not even doing well in garbage time. No. <laughs> like he's giving not. up runs and making it even more garbagey. That's how you ended up with Miles Mestroboni on the hill. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about game three here. I mean, the Twins won this game 16 to three. It felt out of control early. Uh, Christopher Morrell hit the longest home run of the year. And before we talk about the Stroman part of this, why is Marquis? doing back-to-back-to-back-to-back Mother's Day tributes while there's active baseball going on. They literally missed this home run. They missed it. Like, Christopher Morrell hits this home run, and you've got David Ross on a split screen talking about how great mothers are. And look, Mother's Day's great. I love my mother, too. Uh, do they? Do we need to do pre-recorded Mother's Day tributes over actual home runs? Like, Pat Hughes should have called that home run. 
Marquee Network is the biggest piece of crap network that I've ever seen in my life. I have never seen a a television broadcast so tone deaf to the wants and needs of their audience. And, and people have been Al Yellen's written about it. Michael Cerami just wrote about it uh, just the other day. I was texting with him and Michael was nice. I, Al was not all that nice about it. Now Al's been on Marquee Network. Haven't they had him on before? It is unwatchable. The split screens. I don't need to ever see Boog. Ever. <laughs> Never. Three man booths. Nobody likes it. You know, you got it. I don't really care who who you have in the booth, who you choose to uh broadcast your games i kind of care i've got my favorites and stuff but what you don't like is a different person every freaking day there's oh who do we got today oh it's girardi and sut oh it's jd and pat hughes oh it's like i don't know what i'm 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 looking at and then the radio gets screwed up because now i got zaidman calling the game and uh and by the way zach zaidman has gotten a lot better over the course of time, I, you know, maybe I'm just used to it, but I used to not have any idea what was going on in the baseball game when Zach Zaidman was calling the, the, the game. He's gotten better. So great. I will give credit where credit is due. But Marquee, the fans have been complaining. They don't like all the exit velo talk. They want Boog to shut up about sneakers. They, they're sick of Taylor McGregor on the sideline talking about dumb crap all, all freaking game long. Nobody wants to... You don't need a split screen of David Ross to talk to him. You don't need Mike up players every single freaking game. Like, stop. It's overproduced. Mother's Day, great. But you're there's a ball game going on. We're tuning in for a baseball game. And I do not watch this game with sound on anymore. I listen on the radio. I hang out with my friends and have the game on on the side. And I would rather talk with you um, like we did on Friday night. Yeah, Friday night was great. The Discord was fun. Everybody just watched the game and we talked about what was going on in the game amongst other things, but it was our own show. Like if I, I don't need a podcast for freaking Boog. It's got to stop. The, the uh, Dansby Swanson uh, home run the other night was a split screen. You had the three man booth shown, which why you got to throw show a bunch of old guys sitting there is beyond me. We know who they are. Just say, Oh, the voices of blah, blah, blah. Put it down there. Like, Close caption that. Oh my God. It's it's abhorrent. And I know I'm not the only one that feel, feels this way. I, the people right now are like pounding the table saying, Yes, Daddy, you're right. Nobody likes it. And yet they continue on. Do they not market research this crap? Apparently not with Cubs fans. I mean, I, I feel like large portions of that broadcast are made to mimic like a national broadcast. I mean, the I think it was Sarami. It might have been somebody else who had the complaint during the Cardinal series about the segment on Paul Goldschmidt and Team USA. Like, we do not care. Not our we, thing. we are Cubs fans, not Cardinals fans. And, and nobody needs a puff piece on Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, one of the things that I have noticed on occasion, and admittedly, they do this on the radio call sometimes too, but I'm like, I kind of wish they wouldn't. I'm like, whenever you have those, like, I don't know, moments of the game or catch of the game or whatever those should always be cubs plays <laughs> never be the other team i yeah. even if the cubs got blown out 16 to 3 the best play of the game should be the morel dinger right like the one thing that went right for the cubs that day is the thing that should be celebrated not anything the other team did <laughs> yeah yeah no i i completely agree they are trying to go to a kind of a national broadcast format which nobody likes as well 
The entire <laughs> country has agreed upon that. Nobody likes Joe Buck, and we don't want to hear Boog try to be Joe Buck. And in fact, the thing that's crazy about it, because I can't stand the TV broadcast. I just can't take it. Um, they're talking about dumb crap the entire time. So I'll have bad Hughes on oftentimes. The crazy thing to me is Boog. He called the All-Star Game, and I listened to the All-Star Game on the radio last year, and I was flabbergasted because Boog was great. He was on there with Doug Glanville, and it was one of the best broadcasts I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this man? And what have they done with the horrible Cubs announcer that's on TV talking about sneakers and exit velo every five seconds and talking about everything but the freaking ball game? And so he can do it. Which makes me even angrier because I'm like, just do what you can do. You can, you're, you're, the, you're the, you have the technology inside you, man. Go be free, young boog. Like, don't tell the producers you do not want to sell sneakers anymore. And those split screens, well, Advocate Health, Budweiser, just a big ad slap there. But it makes no sense. They've got two marquee logos. On the split screen, two of them. What do you need two for? You know, just in case they they're, this- they're very concerned that you might forget that it's Marquee Sports Network. Oh God, I wish I could. So it's all the and all the green the bars, and then I'm watching that Apple TV broadcast, and we were commenting on it on the Discord. It was a cleaner interface, and they had that dumb crap down in the corner where it was like, he's got a 13% chance of getting a triple. And you're like, what are you talking about? Where do you get these stats from? But these are not real stats. <laughs> not, but at least it was clean looking. It didn't hurt my freaking eyes. Oh, my God. It was better. Everybody's complaining about Apple TV, and there's lots to complain about there, For, starting with the fact that you can't see the game. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, to me, it was a cleaner broadcast and just easier on the eyes which apple is known for making good looking stuff redesign your crap marquee it's horrible stop with all the dumb stuff we don't need it and we missed morell he's the most exciting player ever show him just show christopher morell all the time morell morell sports network (laughs) oh yeah i would i would i will tune back in if i could just watch morell Oh, do I love Christopher? He's instantly my favorite player. He's he's, he's have- the old, he's one of the only players I genuinely adore on this team. Like yeah. I want great things for Christopher Morrell at all times, and he's been awesome. And so that's been fun. Uh, one guy who was not great in this game was Marcus Stroman, and I don't think it's anything systemic. I really just think the pitches weren't going to the places he wanted them to go. At, at least Menneker actually did a really nice breakdown. On the of this on the Cubs post game show, and I, I like Elisa's analysis a lot. I, I kind of wish we got to hear more of it, but she went kind of pitch by pitch where, um, you know what was bre- how pitches were breaking, and they just weren't breaking to their usual spot, which meant that he was leaving things over the plate, and he was just getting kind of pounded uh, during this game. And and as you said, he didn't have it. He gave up a bunch of runs, and the Cubs never had a chance to come back really. Yeah, even in the beginning of the game, he had a pretty busy first inning, which we've kind of seen out of him a few times. Um, he's a pitch to contact guy, but that's not this was a little too much contact, you know what I mean? He only gave up the one dong, but still, um, yeah, a lot of traffic. Um, the the walks in the first inning were a little rough, could not get it together, but 
I, I still believe in him. This was his first real stinker of the year. I mean, he had maybe one other one against the Dodgers where he ended up giving, giving up five runs. But remember that was like, he was rolling along and then he gave up like three home runs in the fifth or something like that. Or in the sixth inning, like he just completely, it was good. And then all of a sudden it was just terrible. And then he had to go, but for the most part, he's been super durable. And, um, I saw a little rumbling about them even talking about keeping him around. Little little bit of noise. I don't know if any of that has any veracity to it, but keeping who are oh keeping you mean extending Strowman beyond the season. Yeah, that I mean that would be great. I mean he's sorry, when you said keeping him around, I'm like, what do you mean keeping him around? He's here for at least I mean people are saying if you know if the Cubs aren't gonna be I mean, they would be remiss if they're not going to compete this year for any kind of anything. Yeah. They'd be remiss to not trade him or extend him. You know, yeah, him and the, Bellinger, the two contracts that you're kind of yeah. like, e. yeah. So if you like them and you think they could be part of of the next great Cubs team, <laughs> then in 2027, what's what's our slogan again? <laughs> next starts here, dude. Yeah, <laughs> next starts in 2027. Um, I, know, we I, need, I think we could timeline it up a little, little bit. If the, if they were to get Marcus Stroman and Bellinger, I'd be like, okay, there's a little serious. They have Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger right now, and they are an aggressively 500 team. We need to take a that's quick true, break. That's true. Good we need point. to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about a trip to Houston where the Cubs will play the World Series champions. Uh, we'll see how that, that will go. They're, they're a little banged up, so maybe the Cubs might have a shot there. But first, a quick break. All right, uh, we're back. So the Cubs are headed to Houston with their very 500 baseball club. Probable pitchers for this uh, this series will kick off Monday night. That is tonight. We are recording on Monday. Um, you've got Jamison Tyone versus Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez is on like some record long quality start streak where he just does not give up runs and he pitches into the sixth or seventh inning like all the time. So I'm sure that will go very well for the Cubs. Uh, Justin Steele versus Christian Javier and Drew Smiley versus JP France. JP France was just recently called up for the Astros after they lost both Luis Garcia and Jose Arquiti. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cubs do against these pitchers. I mean, I don't know, Danny, these are really, really tough matchups for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, it's, it doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> I, was, I was doing Cubs pod last night and previewing just uh, that's the, uh, patreon only son ranto uh show that we do and uh as i was going through this first matchup of tyone versus valdez i saw how impressive valdez has been this year including i think he had 12 strikeouts and an eight inning performance last time that he went out there and we can only hope that he's tired from that and that <laughs> there'll be some regression well i wait eight innings i can only go four this time and we can get to their uh average bullpen because it's, you know, so far it's just been in kind of middle of the pack in pretty much every category, um, walk, strikeouts, ERA, and stuff like that. So, you know, it, maybe they're tired from last year. They had to play so many extra games. and. Well, I mean, so the Astros are, are they are a little banged up. Jose Altuve is on a rehab assignment uh, with their AAA team. I don't know if the Cubs will see him. If you recall, he broke his thumb in the World Baseball Classic. Um, Michael Brantley has also been out this year. Uh, he has not played a baseball game for the Astros yet, but they're getting decent production from Mauricio Dubon in, 
um, Lou of Jose Altuve and, you know, they're the Astros. They always figure out a way. Jose Abreu has not been the dude people thought Jose Abreu would be, was going to be. Has he hit a home run yet? I'm not sure if he has. There was a moment um, a couple of series ago, at least, when they had said that he still had not hit a home run in 2023. And I was I was just stunned by that. That's very un-Jose Abreu-like. But father time comes for everyone. He still has no home runs. Jordan. I'm sure he's just waiting to face the Cubs. Yeah, oh, exactly. We we seem to be turning everybody around. Uh, all these anemic offenses decide to show up when the Cubs come to town. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's you it's, know you just about that, trip. but I, I kind it kind of feels like it's true. Like it happened with the Cardinals. It definitely happened with the Twins. There might be something to people scouting. Cubs pitching and getting a little bit, you know, turn and having a really good game plan. I mean, the Twins certainly had a great game plan against Cubs pitching. The Marlins had a great game plan against Cubs pitching. It is a pitch to contact staff. So if that contact goes from being weak contact that generates ground ball outs to strong contact that generates home runs, you have a problem, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you got no scary guys. Nobody's scary on the team. I mean, Justin, Justin Steele's had a really nice run, but you don't trust that because you're like, hey, he's got two pitches, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, so we, we don't have – I mean, Framber Valdez, when I saw those numbers, I was like, ooh, it was impressive. You know, I, I was impressed by the numbers. You strike out 12, 12 dudes, I'm, I'm going to be impressed. I forget who it was against. It, they just beat the White Sox, which that's not hard to do. <laughs> they stink. I'll bring that up as much as I can. But – um. Yeah, they're they're not. I mean, the 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 Houston Astros are exactly who I thought the Cubs were going to be. This they tanked right before the Cubs did. Cubs followed their model, and the Astros have just managed to stay on top. And the Cubs have had to re-tank. So it's it's rough. Um, yeah, it's uh, not great. They, they beat the they beat the Angels two or three. So I bet you the last time he pitched was against the Angels. Uh, that's what what would line up for the five man rotation there interesting uh well you know none of these are easy matchups i mean christian javier's had a really nice season so far not quite the lights out season that he had last year but he's got a 3.47 era he's got 54 strikeouts and then jb france was really really good in his debut um he's only pitched once but he got the win he has a 0.77 era and had eight strikeouts in that debut i mean i just i don't know danny this this looks like the it could be bleak for the cubs yeah, no, I don't have a lot of uh, hope, really. <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna. Cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'll be busy. Luckily for me, I'm busy the next three nights getting a show ready for Trapdoor Theater. It opens on Thursday night. Uh, plug, plug. It's called <laughs> Bowie and Warsaw. So at least that show will be good. But I don't know about this show of the Cubs in Houston. I appreciate that Danny's just like, I don't know, y'all. Good luck with these games. I'll yeah, be at the good, theater. Good luck. Yeah, you have to do without me. You have to. I mean, I've been looking at my phone, you know, and just kind of like the last two games. I mean, I've been busy and, you know, you know, when you're at work and you're supposed to be working and you're kind of like got an eye on a close game and it's like three to two and you're like, oh, man, it's it's the eighth. It's three to two. I really am paying more attention to this ball game than what I'm, what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. And uh, I didn't have that problem this weekend. <laughs> I will say that at a certain point in both of those uh, weekend games, Saturday and Sunday. Um, it was very easy to just turn out, tune out of those games and really wonder why anybody was still tuned in. 
<laughs> I stayed tuned in, uh, although there was a moment when the eighth inning was going on and Miles Mastroboni just could not get anyone out at all that I was like, I'm going to have to leave for yoga soon and I'm just not going to feel bad if I have to leave this game for yoga in the middle of the unending eighth inning. Um, the Cubs who have been doing well, who might give these Astros a little bit of a run for their money. And it is very much like a split screen. It's like the top half of the lineup is great. And the bottom half of the lineup is having some issues. Christopher Morrell, who we w- mentioned earlier, has just been absolutely on fire through his first five games. Ian Happ has a WRC plus of 172 over the last two weeks and change. He's hitting 326, 466, 500. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, who for some reason does not get at bats because we have to have Eric Hosmer get those at bats instead, is slashing 207, 378, 414 with a WRC plus of 126. Seiya Suzuki has picked it up recently. You love to see that. He's slashing 286, 380, 452 with a WRC plus of 125 over the last two weeks. And Dansby Swanson is slashing 255, 317, 509 with a WRC plus of 123. Over the last two weeks, do you see uh, what do you see from these guys, Danny? Yeah, I did want to bring up Saya because I agreed that just uh, as I was talking about him looking lost and it was like really just kind of visibly obvious that there was something going on that he just wasn't timed up or something like that. And it was in he was and hitting into all those double plays, not really driving the ball. He doesn't have a real uppercut to his swing anyway. So uh, that home run that he hit the other day was a, a liner. It got out in a hurry. And um, yeah, no, granted, at that point, it was already 8 nothing, and they're probably just <laughs> tossing it in there for you. <laughs> just get the game over with, but and not play too much cat and mouse. But still, I, he, I can't, he is so critical in the middle of this lineup to at least be like a Mark Grace doubles hitter kind of guy, like at least that kind of thing. I know Cub fans are expecting a lot more for the amount of money that we've given him and uh, how right field is a power position. Like you don't, you want to be able to pay that money for somebody who's going to be in there every day. So I don't know if it's still the oblique that it's bothering him or, you know, it's we've just never seen it. We've never gotten Saya on a big roll. And man, I just we need it so bad. We need him to go on a tear and and just feel that I feel like there'll be a certain sort of like confidence that will come from and and what do they call that when there's a positive uh feedback loop that can happen. Like I really feel that for Saya and to see him swing the bat a little bit better is great. He had a double too, I think. Um, just doing better. The the um, the other ones. I mean, God, it's like it. It's so. To, when you read those numbers, I'm like, wow. We should we should be winning more, right? Well, here's the problem because the bottom half of the lineup is is truly struggling. I mean, got Cody Bellinger slashing 220, 273, 300 over the last two weeks. He's got a WRC plus of 52 during that time. Nico Horner, who is admittedly on the IL, was also slumping over the last couple of weeks before he hit the IL. He was slashing 212, 278, 242 with a WRC plus of 49. Uh, you've got Matt Mervis, who has not really hit yet, although he's starting to pick it up a little bit. So this is an improvement from the last time we checked in on Matt Mervis, to be clear. But he's slashing 219, 265, 250, the WRC plus of 44. He has yet to hit a home run. And and it's not like, you know, I'm sure he's feeling that pressure a little bit, but that's what he's here for. He's here to hit bombs, and he has not hit bombs yet. 
Uh, Nick Madrigal at the top of the order for hashtag reasons, slashing 206, 229, 235 with a WRC plus of 27. And then my personal fan favorite and the guy who, who I just, I need him out of the DH spot a month ago and I, I can't handle watching it anymore. Eric Hosmer slashing 200, 238, 200 with a WRC plus of 22. And I swear to God, that man comes up. Bases loaded every time we'll find Eric Hosmer in the Cubs lineup and he does nothing. I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, they're a little, they're not shorthanded. I mean, they're shorthanded when it comes to lefties and that's probably why Eric Hosmer is still on this team, but I don't really care what, which way you bat. If you're going to be this horrible. Right. So I, I, it just it doesn't matter to me. Let pitchers bat then. Like, there's probably somebody on the staff. Like, that can I would rather there. see Patrick Wisdom take those at bats every time. Well, Wisdom, and also, like, you know, for I think it was the Saturday game when I, when they tweeted out the lineup, in, and I'm looking it up right now because I, I screenshotted it because it was just so ridiculously awful on paper. Um, let off with Madrigal. Like a day after, and then you you throw Morel. And by the way, still doing the magical at third, Morel at second. Like, and I get Morel hasn't played it, but that's been his natural position over time. So whatever they're doing, they're switching. And he has around. a good arm, as opposed to Nick Nicky two strikes running across the field to yeah. get some momentum behind his throws. Mickey Mickey twenty steps. <laughs> and but you know, for so you've got in that lineup, you've got. um Wait, is this the right one or the wrong one? I'm sorry, that that's the wrong one that I'm tweeting. But like, yeah, but it was the same thing. Madrigal, Hosmer's in there. You've got, and I'm like, what are we doing? What the hell are we doing? And it's and it's day after day. And I don't normally see Cubs fans. This has been new. Everybody's been happy with David Ross because, like, David Ross, we love David Ross. He's from 2016, and David Ross, is awesome. Let's have a David Ross bobblehead, and everybody loves it. Now I'm I'm starting to see the uh, tide of the tide of the fans turning here, and the opinion is getting that Rossi needs to go, and I don't know like maybe maybe not um, because I don't know where these decisions are actually getting made. Well, that's a great question. I don't know where these decisions are getting made either, but there's some combination of roster management and roster construction plus bullpen management and bullpen construction. That is not working for the Chicago Cubs right now. It's why they are like eight and two in one run games. And just when they look bad, they look atrocious. Like this team goes from, oh yeah, it looks like a pretty good team. Look at this six to two victory. Woohoo. To nope, this team is the absolute worst ever losing 16 to three. Like I just, there is, it's like there, there's, there's a Grand Canyon between the two types of Cubs teams <laughs> show up on a daily basis. Well, like here's here was the lineup on Saturday. You had Madrigal leading off, went one for five with a strikeout, and and it really was the top of the order that failed. Like Swanson went over four in this one, for example. Um, and but then you you had Happ and Bellinger, and then you had Suzuki, Morel, Mervis, Hosmer, then Barnhart. So you get down to that. Now, Barn, of course, because I'm a jerk and was yelling about this lineup, of course, Tucker Barnhart managed to go two for three in this game and had two of the Cubs six hits because, of course, he did. Um, but when you get down to um, the Hosmer-Barnhart-Madrigal part of your lineup, you know, like, 
it's it's just that's when you go pee, I guess, is what is what you do. I mean, you always have to have a an inning where you you go get a beer and uh, a sausage and use the restroom or whatever you got to do at the game, and that would be the part for me. Um, you know, watch Mervis hit and get up and go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Those thinking- are the players on the Cubs. That's I- who's on the freaking Cubs. So, like, what are we gonna do? Yeah, I know. I, I, this is what this is the team that Jed Hoyer has built on purpose. Speaking of teams that were built on purpose, the Astros have a couple of guys who are hot right now, and and not very much more beyond that. Um, this is such a weird who's hot right now, but but it is what it is, and this is how we do this segment. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, who is probably the best hitter on the planet is slashing 318, 388, 614 with a WRC plus of 176 over the last two weeks. And Martin Maldonado, who has never been a good hitting catcher in the slightest at all, um, playing about half the time, he's slashing 280, 357, 440 with a WRC plus of 125 over the last two weeks. And and, and that's it. <laughs> Nobody else on the Astros makes the who's hot. Well, he's he's no Jan Gomes, I'll tell you that much. Jan you know, Gomes Jan never... has actually been one of the best hitting catchers in baseball this season, and so credit where it's due. Jan has been pretty good. I I don't think it's going to last, but it, it is happening. Speaking of good hitting catchers, do you see that Wilson is going back to catching tonight? What I a... did, <laughs> I, and I, I would just like to shout out all the Cubs fans who were in my mentions on Twitter and my article at BCB who were convinced that Wilson would never catch again because catcher ERA is just so predictive of catcher success. And I just didn't know what I was talking about. Shout out to all of you and your belief in a stat that is not real. Well, we had Crawley on this on Ranto show on Friday night. Remember coming and taking a victory lap saying he was right about all that. And now it tends to turns out he was wrong. (laughs) I mean, I I wasn't going to call out Crawley specifically, but he's on the list of people. Bleacher Nation had like multiple articles about this. I was just like, I I, I posted something about this on Twitter, like about the catcher ERA thing still being a myth and the fact that Contreras is catching again, being proof of it. And somebody was like, there's nobody doing that. I'm like, do you read this website? Because I I definitely saw dozens of Cubs fans taking this. This is why I always take every side in every argument. This is why I don't have an opinion. I just tell everybody what everybody else's opinions are. <laughs> like um, I, I amalgamate all the opinions and never take a side. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that? <laughs> you know, I did not notice that, but I'll I'll keep an eye on I that now that I'm that. now that I'm aware of it. For example, Miles um, Mastroboni starts hitting. I'll be his biggest fan, even though at one point I was his biggest nemesis. And everybody thinks I hate Mastroboni. And they're like, "Wait, why do you love Mastroboni now?" I'm like, "Cause he's good now." That's yeah. why I will change my opinion in a heartbeat. Just well, show I'm not, not going to wait for that one. That's going to, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> the Astros who have been struggling lately, who are looking to get their bats going off of Cubs pitching are Jeremy Pena, who has been slashing 293, 318, 341 with a WRC plus of 83, just, just barely under our cut line for cold bats here. Uh, Kyle Tucker, 238, 277, 381 with a WRC plus of 70. That's not going to last. He's usually pretty talented. Um, Mauricio Dubon, who I mentioned earlier, slashing 267, 283, 311 with a WRC plus of 64. Jake Myers slashing 200, 282, 286 with a WRC plus of 62. Alex Bregman, who has really struggled this season. He is slashing 170, 235, 277 with a WRC plus of 41 over the last couple of weeks. Jose Abreu, who we mentioned, slashing 154, 250, 205 with a WRC plus of 33. 
over the last couple of weeks. And somebody I have never heard of until this show uh, called Corey Jolks. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. Is slashing 172, 226, 172 with a WRC plus of 13 over the last couple of weeks. So those guys will be looking to get it going against some Cubs pitching uh, over the next three days. Yeah. Yeah. They have the third worst OPS in the majors. That is kind of shocking. And they I have mean, the- part, part of that is injuries, but part of that is I, they just haven't really clicked, you know, like it hasn't been good for them this year. Yeah, a lot of teams like that. Um, I think Houston would be a surprise there. They're only 500 in May so far. They managed to be in second place behind the the Rangers, I think, are still in first. The Rangers have been awesome this year. The Rangers have one of the best offenses in baseball, even without Corey Seager, who has been on the IL for the last six weeks dealing with a hamstring issue. And he's he's going to come back. And they've are like Marcus Simeon has just been on fire the whole like it's been really fun to watch. Rangers baseball. In fact, Nathan Avaldi almost threw a complete game the other day against the Athletics. Uh, and, you know, complete games just don't happen in baseball anymore. So I, I fully expect this Astros team to get better, and I hope they'll wait until after the Cubs leave town. But honestly, after the last, what, like four or five series, it felt like the Marlins waited for the Cubs to get hot. The Nationals waited for the Cubs to get hot. The Cardinals waited for the Cubs to get hot. And the Twins waited for the Cubs to get hot. So, Danny, if the Astros get hot against the Cubs bats. Where can people find you talking about it over the next three days? Well, it won't be at the game. I'll tell you that much or even watching it. Um, no, but I'll, I'll be following along at, at Sunranto on Twitter. Come check me out there. And uh, we're also having another game watch slash pregame party on Friday night uh, when the Cubs go to Philadelphia. And uh, that'll start at 5 p.m. We'll start with the pregame. And uh, so I'll be I'll be over there. So check that out at everywhere Sunranto is. Ah, Philadelphia, the team the Cubs should have been. Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, uh, yeah. you know, fun. <laughs> that would, yeah, fun. That would be a fun team. <laughs> I could, I, and I hate the Phillies, you know, but I could see being a Phillies fan with those bashers on the team. Also, I was cheering for this Phillies team last year because they were a blast to cheer for. Yeah, me too. Another underperforming team so far this year who was in the World Series last year. So we got, we, this week, the next six games are going to be spent against the teams that were in the World Series last year. Great. Good Should be us. fun. You can find me talking about these games at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find my writing uh, about the Cubs at bleedcubbyblue.com. And if the Cubs manage to hold off last year's World Series contenders over the next six games, you know we will be talking about it the next time here at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. Until then.